Hey guys and welcome to a new episode. This is your host Muhammad. What is the best imaging modality for carcinoid? It is Octarioscan or Indium Octarioscan. Other name for it is Pentotriotide Scan. We can use MIBG, I-123 MIBG, but this is less sensitive again. For carcinoid, we use Octarioscan, which is Indium Octarioscan or Pentotriotide Imagens. Of choice for gastronoma, it is indium octariotide. Mechanism of thallium. Thallium behaves like a potassium analog, so it is actively transported using the sodium-potassium transporter, which requires ATP, such as thallium is a marker for living cells. If there is increased activity, such as inflammation, there would be increased thallium uptake. Dose of phenobarbital for biliary atresia. So phenobarbital would stimulate the liver and it will give us better imaging for a HIDA scan to evaluate the biliary tree. The pediatric typical dose is 2.5 milligram per kilogram twice a day for five days. Another way to remember it is 545, which means five milligram per kilogram total every day for five days. Again, actual doses is 2.5 milligram per kilogram twice a day for five days. Imaging of seizure activity. Ectal or during seizure, the area of seizure will be hypermetabolic and hyperperfusion, so it will be intense. And intraectal or between seizures, when there's no active seizure, this area will be cold. Normal flow of radio tracer within the spinal canal and brain. In order to understand normal flow, we need to understand where CSF is produced. So there are CSF current or CSF flow within the brain. CSF is produced within the ventricles, and then it will flow outside of the ventricles all the way to the fourth ventricle, and then through the foramina of Lushka and Mergendi, would travel outside into the brain, into the CSF space of the spinal cord, and into the basal cisterns of the brain. Now, when we inject technetium DTPA for cystography or cisternography, we inject through an LP, so we inject in the spinal cord space. When we inject through that space, we already passed after the ventricles, meaning we passed through, bypassed the ventricle system, and the radio tracer should not get into the ventricles because of the flow pattern that we just described. At two to four hours, you would expect the radio tracer to show uptake in the basal cisterns and from 4 to 24 hours go around the basal cisterns into the sylvian fissure and up above the brain into the cisterns. By 24 hours you should expect the radio tracer to be over the cerebral convexities where it would be resorbed by the arachnoid granulation. Again, it's produced in the ventricles and resorbed in the around the dural sinuses through the arachnoid granulation. So at 24 hours, we expect it to be starting to be resorbed from the dural sinuses through the arachnoid granulation. If you have any disruption of this pathway, so if there is a hemorrhage that caused arachnoid granulation atrophy or calcification, then you would expect the radio tracer to linger within the brain past 24 hours and then if there's severe obstruction and severe disruption of CSF flow pattern, you might actually even see it in the ventricle, but this is not the normal pathway. Myocardial 
SPECT radio tracers. We have three radio tracers. Most commonly is technetium systemib, and the new radio tracer is technetium tetrophosmin and the old radio tracer thallium. We'll start with thallium because we just talked about it. Thallium, we said, is a potassium analog, so it will be taken into the cell through active transport using the sodium-potassium transporter, and then it will redistribute just as potassium would through the body. The redistribution rate would depend on blood flow rate. So if there is poor perfusion, then there would be delayed washout in the heart. Tetrophosmin is the newest agent that we talked about. It crosses through passive diffusion and passes into the mitochondria just like System EB scanned. Key thing and key difference from System EB is it is cleared from the liver rapidly and so there is less chance for hepatic uptake. There is no redistribution because it gets stuck in the mitochondria. The System EB, we talked about it previously, passive transported into the mitochondria and then it gets stuck and does not redistribute. This fact might be counterintuitive, but I will try to explain it. The role of obesity or fat on SUV uptake values of PET CT scan. Well, fat is not muscle, so it's not going to take up glucose because it will store fat. Because of that, a fat individual will have higher SVU value in the areas that would take up the tracer. Because when we dose them, we dose them based on the weight. So, radio tracer is not uptaken by fat means there is more radio tracer in the blood pool. If there is more radio tracer in the blood pool, that means more radio tracer would go into active cells, and so we'll get higher SUV values in obese individuals. Another interesting fact that can easily be asked, which radio tracers are or demonstrate increased uptake in meningioma, octariotide, and technetium MDP. Again, octariotide or endium octariotide and technetium MDP demonstrate increased uptake in meningiomas. Another fun fact, they will show you bone scan using MDP radio tracer, and the kidney is much brighter than the adjacent lumbar spine. We said MDP is typically a radio tracer for bone, but when we see the kidney or the cortex of the kidney brighter or hotter than adjacent spine or lumbar spine, then this would be consistent for hemochromatosis. Again, if the renal uptake of MDP is hotter than the bone, then this is consistent with hemochromatosis. How to minimize brown fat FDG uptake in PET scan? One, we can keep the room warm because brown fat function in keeping us warm. So if the room is warm, we have less activation of brown fat. Second thing is to use a beta blocker or benzodiazepine will we'll inhibit uh, brown fat metabolism and so it will decrease uptake of glucose or FDG in PET study. Again, to minimize brown fat uptake, we warm up the room or use a beta blocker or benzodiazepam. Thyroid disorder with iodine uptake pattern. Now, in Graves' disease, we see diffuse increased uptake because Graves' disease is autoimmune activation, so the entire thyroid is activated. Additionally, we're able to visualize the isthmus because of diffuse activation in Graves' disease. In toxic multinodular goiter, as the name sound, there is multinodular, so there is heterogeneous activation. We'll have hot nodules in a setting of a cold background thyroid. We have cold background because of increased thyroid hormone, which tells the body to shut down the normally functioning functioning thyroid tissue, except the 
nodules that do not listen to the autoregulation will have increased uptake. In non-toxic multinodular goiter, there would be heterogeneous uptake, but the radio tracer uptake typically less than 50%, again, because it's not toxic. In toxic, the radio, uh, radio tracer uptake is greater than 50%. In Hashimoto thyroiditis, we said that's an inflammatory response that will have overactivation and then underactivation. So it depends on the phase of Hashimoto disease, the uptake will change. And finally, in subacute thyroiditis, this is over release of thyroid hormone because of a viral infection. And so we will have decreased radio tracer uptake because the body is already decreasing the activity of the thyroid gland because we're releasing more thyroid hormone. To summarize, in subacute thyroiditis, we have decreased radio tracer uptake with increased thyroid hormone in the body. In Hashimoto, Hashimoto's disease, it depends on the phase. In non-toxic goiter, will have increased uptake, but the uptake is less than 50%. In toxic multinodular goiter, we have hot nodules with increased radio tracer uptake greater than 50%. And finally, in Graves' disease, we have diffuse activation of the entire thyroid, including the isthmus. Properties of yttrium 90. This is a beta emitter. Total penetration within the tissue is approximately 11 millimeter. And the, then since this is a beta emitter, it will destroy the cells because it's a high energy emitter. The average half-life for it is approximately three days, and this is a number that repeats in nuclear medicine uh, for half-life. So three days of a half-life, if we were want to understand the activity period, so it's for half-life, so about approximately 12 days of activity within the body. What's unique about it is it requires free radical to kill the cells. And so we need not to completely obstruct flow, but rather allow some flow to get in, which will activate radical. Radiation dose from treatment ranges between 100 to 1,000 grays, and you need at least 70 gray for success. For shunt fraction, if there is greater than 20% shunt fraction between the liver and the lung, then the treatment or YN90 treatment is contraindicated. How is shunt volume is measured? Prior to the day of treatment, we bring in the patient for what we call shunt fraction study or mapping study, and we inject technetium MAA to the area of the liver that we want to treat. And then we go and image the patient in nuclear medicine and look for the shunt fraction. Ideally, we want the shunt fraction of tech MAA to be less than 10% from the liver value. If it is greater than 20%, Y90 treatment is contraindicated. Dosing of I-131 post-thyroidectomy for cancer. So after we typically remove the thyroid for thyroid cancer, we treat patients with I-131 to make sure we get any residual tissue. The dosage or treatment, as we talked about yesterday, depends on the cancer. We can use a low-dose I-131, meaning less than 30 millicuries or microcuries if the patient has tumor less than 1.5 centimeter in size and no extracapsular invasion or no signs of metastasis. Now, if those conditions are not met, then we have to use a high-dose I-131 treatment. If the tumor is involving the thyroid and extracapsular invasion, then we use 100 millicurry. If the tumor extracapsular plus nodes, then we use 150. 
and for metastasis we use approximately 200 microcurries for metastatic disease. On normal PET CT scan, which structure we typically see, so on a non-cardiac PET scan, it is okay to see radiotracer activity in the left ventricle, but not in the right. If we see it in the right, we need to consider pathology, which would play a role in right ventricular hypertrophy.